Would you go please to uh, 2 Corinthians, the 6th chapter. Last week we began a new series in the church called Separate from Sin. Separate from Sin. In 2 Corinthians 6, in verse uh, 14, let's begin reading. 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Be you not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. I'm going to continue reading from the New Living. He said, don't team up with those that are unbelievers. How can goodness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? Now he's asking questions, so we should answer them. What's the answer? How can goodness be a partner with wickedness? can't. How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How much can there be? None. Well, then why? I don't mean just a few. Millions, then why do millions of Christians in certain areas and camps believe in some degree or another that God works with the devil? Or that the devil works with God some way or another. This is widely believed. There is no harmony. There is no working together. Right? Of God and the devil. No, there's no harmony and communion between light and darkness. God is light. God is truth. The devil is darkness. Deception. The devil is death. And lies. Well, let's keep reading. How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? A lot of folks have tried it, but does it work? No. Another scripture said, how can two walk together except they be agreed? I mean, if you don't have anything in common, what do you talk about? I know there's been people that uh, I knew many years ago. I know there were some guys I used to ride motorcycles with. And do some other things before I was uh, serious about God, way before I got married or I got into ministry or anything. And I saw one of them a while back. I hadn't seen each other in years. And he's like, oh, it's you. And he called me by my nickname that I hadn't heard in a long time. And uh, I won't tell you because I'll, I'll hear it again and again. You could just hear people going, what was it? Well, I, I didn't say. Uh and um, I was like, yeah, hey, man, good to see you. He said, yeah, good to see you. And how's it going? Great, great. And how are you doing? Good, good. Uh, <laughs> man, it's good to see you. Yeah, it's good to see you. Because he didn't go the way I went. How many of what I'm talking about? So what do you talk about? There's a couple of things he wanted to talk about I didn't want to talk about. And there was a couple of things I want to talk about, and I could tell he didn't want to talk about it. So then you say, that's good to see you. Yeah, doing good. Yeah, yeah, doing good. You, yeah. Now what? Well, that's what this says. What agreement, what fellowship, what, where's the communion? That's why he says, don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers Ungodly folks, right? 
People who don't love God and they're not interested in God and they could not understand why you would come and sit in church as long as you do. And act like you enjoy it. And want to come back and take tapes with you to hear some more. Uh, They just cannot understand that. Well, and you don't understand why they do the things they do because it's just killing them. It's ministering death to them. And they keep doing it. That's what sin is. Wages of sin is death. He said, what union, verse 16, can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I'll live in them and walk among them. I'll be their God and they'll be my people. Therefore, come out from them and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things and I will welcome you. I'll be your father. You'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Because we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Are there things in this world that can contaminate you? Both outwardly and inwardly. Yes, he's talked about let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit. Are we to separate ourselves from ungodliness and sin and things that defile? We are. We are. This hasn't been taught very strongly in a lot of circles. And if it has been taught in some circles, it's mostly been taught in the form of don'ts. Don't do this and don't go there and don't wear this and don't do this and don't watch this and don't say this and and don'ts. Don't, 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 don't. And actually develops into a code. A code of conduct prescribed by a particular denomination or group or church. And like we talked about last uh, week, we talked about what holiness is not. And one of the things we camped on is that the Lord said, he referred to people that say, don't be close to me. Now you stand over there, you stay away from me because I'm holier than you are. And the Lord said, these folk are a smoke up my nose. Well, what's smoke up the nose? Big irritant. Right? That you want to get away from right now. And what we talked about is how that so-called holiness with a lot of folks turns in to a form of feeling superior to other folks. And preaching a superiority, you have to be part of our group or you ain't making it in. And you have to dress like we do, and you have to talk like we do, and you have to think exactly like we do, or you ain't making it in. That's their description of holiness. But we gave you another definition. Very simple. Holiness is Christ-likeness. Not trying to be like some man that you see down here, but endeavoring to be like him. How many understand if you act like the master and you talk like the master and you live like the master, you will be holy. Right? 
And I think as we go, you're going to see that so much of it is tied together with being led by the Spirit. Being led by the Spirit is such a huge part of holiness. Unholiness is that which displeases God. That which is not like God. That which is unholy is ungodly. For God is holy. And what we in this series, let's stir ourselves up to be on the lookout and aware when people completely take God out of something. And they don't want him mentioned and they don't want him talked about. Those things we cannot fellowship with. Did you hear me? We cannot join in with them and agree, well, no, we can't include God. Do you ever leave the house without God? Hmm? We can't check God at the door. Now, that doesn't mean we have to preach and rail at folks and try to shove things down their throat. No. But if they ask us, well, you just got to leave God out of it. Impossible. Right? He and I are one. He's in me. I'm in him. He gives me my every breath. And theirs too. They're just too dumb to know it. Right? He gives us our every heartbeat. He makes the sun shine. He keeps gravity working. And the earth spinning. And smart people realize this. And acknowledge it. There's coming a day soon. That every knee is going to bow. And every tongue is going to confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's every being in heaven, every being on the earth, every being under the earth. Everybody is. The smart ones do it now. (laughs) And I'm looking at some smart ones. (laughs) Woo. A lot of things you could say about that. Well, are we to separate ourselves from things that are ungodly, unholy? Are we to be separate from sin? We are to be. The Bible talks about Jesus in Hebrews 7. You don't have to turn there. But just says that he is able to save us to the uttermost, those who come to God. He ever lives to make intercession for us. And Hebrews 7.26 says that he is holy, he's blameless, he's unstained by sin, separate or separated from sin and sinners and exalted higher than the heavens. Is he our example? Are we to be separate from sin? How can we be separate from sin? We've already sinned. Yeah, but thank God for the blood of the lamb. By the blood of the lamb, we can be cleansed from that sin. Right? Now, let me just say this. I'm getting ahead of myself maybe just a little bit. But there is an ungodly, unscriptural doctrine that is hurtful to the church that many people adhere to and talk about and preach. And that is some form or fashion of it that you can't help but sin every day. That's preached. That's believed that, hey, we're just old sinners saved by grace. That's not true either. We are saved by grace. We were sinners. Did you hear me? But we've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. 
And the nature of God in us and the love of God in us is not the nature to sin. But the nature to please God. Now we still got flesh. Right? And if you yield to the flesh, you'll, you'll sin and mess up. But I'm saying this. It is not true that you have to sin every day. And that you can't make it through a day without sinning. That is a lie. Did you hear me? You've sinned. I've sinned. We've all missed it and failed and come short of the glory of God. But it is also true that you can go for great lengths of time. Did you hear me? And not sin. And never do you have to sin. Never is a situation where you couldn't help it. You had to sin. If you can't help but sin, then you shouldn't be expected to repent. Because it's not your fault. Right? If you couldn't help it, then it's not fair to hold you responsible for it. The very fact that you have to repent means you could have said no. You could have resisted. You could have not given in. That's why we're responsible. That's why we have to repent. And thank God if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Did you get this now? Do you have to sin every day? No, you do not. Nobody ever has to sin. Jesus went his whole life on the earth and never sinned one time. And he lived in a flesh subject to all the temptations and frailties and weaknesses just like us, the Bible said. Philippians said he laid aside his mighty weight and power and glory. People said, well, yeah, that's Jesus, Brother Keith. But he did it as a man with no unfair advantage over us. He's my hero. Is he yours? He made it his whole life and never failed God, never disobeyed the Father, not one time. Proven it could be done. And he is what we'll all be measured by in eternity. Now you very seldom do you get amens and shouting on that part. But it's a fact. It's a fact. Which is why it's wonderful that we don't have to stand in our own righteousness. We get to stand in His. But anytime somebody would try to stand up and say, well, to the Father God, it was just too hard. How could you expect anybody to do it? He points to Jesus. It couldn't be done. Nobody could do it. Well, but it's Jesus. Yeah, but He did it as a man. He emptied himself and became like other men. Oh, glory to God. And now we have the same spirit in us. Amen. And that help and the authority that's in his name. So we do not have to live defeated. We do not have to live a slave to the desire of our eyes, to the desire of our flesh. We do not have to live as servants to sin. We can be free. We're supposed to be free. Amen. We can live free. We can live clean. We can live holy. If we do make a mistake, thank God we can repent and get cleansed and then go for a long time. Did you hear me? And not have another such thing. How many believe it now? That's what we're called to. Separate from sin. Well, now let's go on tonight talking about some other things. We talked about what holiness is not. And we said it is not some form of superiority. I'm holy and you're not. It's not some man's 
traditions and code. It's Christ-likeness. It's being just like the Master. And uh, our question tonight is, uh, well, I'll say it like this. You can't talk about separation and holiness without talking about sin. As you see, we have been. And sin is something that's avoided in a lot of modern churches and circles. Uh, In fact, you don't even hear that word too much in some circles. People have substituted it uh, with other words or replaced it with other words. And a lot of times you don't hear about people sinning or being in sin. You just hear, well, they have a problem and they're working on it. Well, (laughs) we must take uh, sin seriously and we must get away from the ambiguity and vagueness and call sin, sin. Huh? Do you believe that? We must. This will make people angry. I said, it's a bad confession, Brother Keith. No, it's scripture. Jesus said, uh, the world hates you, he said, because it hated me. He said, it hated me first. And then he tells, this is in John, Gospel account of John, why he said, the world hates me. He said, the world hates me because I testify that its works are wicked. Jesus said, I call the world's works wicked. How many understand he did not mince words about it, right? And it made people so mad they wanted to kill him, preachers included, right? (laughs) Particularly the religious hierarchy of his day. I mean, they did eventually, you know, kill him. They hated him because he would not compromise and he wouldn't, you know, put it in softer tones and say, well, you know... I guess that's all right. I mean, he went in there and cleared the house and threw tables and and said this, you know, you've made the house of God a den of thieves. And he called it sin. It was covetousness. So much covetousness was there. And he called them on it. And he talked about their traditions and, and talked about different things. But he called the sin, sin. We must do this not in a condemning fashion and saying, we hate you, you're in sin. I'd have to hate myself because I've sinned, right? Right? How many understand that we can hate and despise sickness, but not sick people, Right. Right? right? We can hate and despise poverty, right? But not poor people. We can hate and despise sin. Should we? Oh, the more you find about it, you won't be passive about it. You'll be very strong about it. You should hate. You should despise sin. But not sinners. Right? Sinners are people who are making mistakes and sinning. Uh, How could they do that? We know exactly how they do it. We've done it. Right? All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And no need trying to categorize sin. Well, this is a little bitty sin. It's a big sin. Said who? Where did you get your chart? (laughs) That shows, you know, I've never seen a diagram in the Bible. Right? Little sin. Medium-sized sin. Mega sin. Huh? Tiny sin. Huge sin. Right? 
Not a big deal sin. Oh, can't get over it sin. No, no. Sin is not just an outward physical act. Sin is what happens in the heart. And we're going to talk about that tonight. So we're going to ask and begin to answer the question, what is sin? Are you with me tonight? You ready to go further? What is sin? Before I go further with this now, would you agree sin is serious? Oh, it's serious. We must not be flippant about sin. I've heard people say, somebody was talking to this young person one time, and sometimes young folks hadn't learned too much, but uh, they were saying, you know, such and such was a bad thing. I said, yeah, yeah, I know, I know it ain't right, but I'll just First John 1, 9 it. They know it's not right, but they're going to go ahead and do it because we'll just First John 1, 9 it. Friend, that's not okay. In fact, it's far more serious than a lot of people would think. There are some of the most sobering scriptures in the whole New Testament about this. When you have knowledge and you willingly sin anyway. We may touch on that as the Lord leads us, but 1 John 1, 9, what does that mean? It says if we confess our sin, if we admit it, if we acknowledge it, God is faithful. Aren't you glad? And he's just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, he goes on into that uh, uh, second chapter talking about that he is the propitiation for our sins. And he is our, our representative, like a lawyer who stands for us. And we know that he does it with his own blood. It's our sins that put Jesus on the cross. Right? Is that light? Is that to be taken lightly? That's as serious as it gets. There was no other way but for the spotless Son of God, Lamb of God, to give and lay down His life, give His spirit, His soul, His body, all of His blood and the life that's in His blood. Why? Because of sin. Right? We must not be light and flippant about sin. Sin is serious. And then with that, we must call sin, sin. And the big place we start is not looking at somebody else. Right? No, we're not called to judge other folks, but to judge ourselves. But to not be ambiguous, not be vague about it. Think about First John. In fact, just go over there real quickly. I've quoted it, but go there in First John, the first chapter, and look at this. You've heard me use these words, ambiguous and vague. So let me tell you further why I'm saying that. First John 1, 9. Is sin serious? It's serious. You remember Romans says the wages of sin is what? It's death. Sin is deadly serious. The Lord doesn't instruct us, don't sin, separate yourself from sin, because he wants to spoil our fun and for us to just be goody-goody. He says, don't sin because it'll kill you. Somebody says, well, you know, I've sinned and I'm still living. No. No. Adam and Eve sinned. Did they fall dead that day? Did they die? Yeah. And I don't care who you are, every time you sin, something in you dies. You kill something. Thank God we know the God of resurrection. 
we know the God of cleansing and forgiveness. But people, you know, there's so much death in people's lives because of their sin. Their brightness, their understanding, they've killed off part of it. I mean, it's just, how I many understand you can use drugs and you can use alcohol to the point where you kill off uh, your brain cells and you kill off parts of your body? Well, see, that abuse, somebody said, well, it's uh, alcohol abuse. Well, no, it's body abuse. Drug abuse. No, it's body abuse. And your body can't handle that. You're killing parts of it. Well, that shows you it's sin. Right? Anything that's killing something in you kills your affection. I understand people can do things until they harden themselves. Until they don't even feel right and don't even think right. You can do things until your thinking is cloudy and, and you kill things until your joy is not there and your peace is not there. Every time a person sins, me, you, whoever, it kills something. It's death. The wages of sin, the results of sin is death. Oh, but God has an answer. Right? You found it. I found it. We're going to talk about that. But are you in First John 1? He said, verse 5, the latter part of it, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. How many know God is life, and in him is no death? No death. It bothers me when I hear even preachers stand up and say, well, God took our beloved, you know, son or daughter, 17 years old. He took them in death. Death is the enemy of God. 1 Corinthians 15 says, no. Now, if they were saved, they went to be with him. But don't say God took them in death. That's incorrect. Now, he says, if we say we have fellowship with him, with God, and walk in darkness. Now, if you keep reading down through the next several verses, you'll see he mentions the word sin. And that's what he's talking about, about walking in darkness. You could also say sin. If we are walking in sin. We're walking in darkness and we say, no, I'm in full fellowship with the Lord. He said, you're lying. Because you can't walk in full fellowship with the Lord and walk in sin. Because, uh, this will help us to answer the question, what is sin? By the very nature of what sin is, you couldn't be walking in full fellowship. Because if you're fully pleasing God, you're not sinning. So one definition of sin is that which displeases God. That which is not the will of God. That which displeases Him. He said if you do, you're lying and you're not doing the truth. But if we walk in the light, oh, get this now. If we walk what? In the light. Now, this couldn't just be in the light of God, total and universal. You can only walk in the light you have. You can't walk in light you don't have. You're going to see this further. This is very plain in the scriptures. But I would say it like this. If you walk in the light that you have, you do what you know. You act on what you know. You do what you know. What's the result? We have fellowship one with another. Now, really, the one with another refers back to the previous verse talking about the Lord. 
And if you're in good fellowship with God, certainly that's going to affect your fellowship with other people too. Right? It's like this. If I'm here and you're over here and the Lord's here. If I'm getting closer to the Lord and you're getting closer to the Lord. What's happening? We're getting closer to each other. Right? Not a matter of me trying to become like you or you trying to become like me. Are just working on the natural. Let's try to get things fixed between us. No, you get right with God and I get right with God and mine, your troubles are going to disappear. They're going to go away. It's a lot simpler than people make it out. Right? The Lord's helping us tonight. If we walk in the light, and I would say this, you know, if you walk in the light, we have. How can you walk in light you don't have? As he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth, not has cleansed, cleanseth us from all sin. Now let me, uh, let me talk about a side of this. There is the cleansing of the blood when we confess our sins, when we come to Jesus. But there's so much we don't know. And this is where some of this uh, doctrine comes about. You can't, we can't go an hour without sinning. I said, that's not true. Now, people might think they have a point to argue by saying, well, God is so perfect and so pure and so holy. And we're in the middle of all this and we're so ignorant. You're going to tell me that we're not making mistakes. We're not doing things that are not pleasing to him and not his perfect will. Wouldn't that be sin? No. If you didn't know it. If you're not aware of it. And this is where it comes in. If you're walking in the light that you have, then anything else that you don't know and don't see, the blood of his son cleanseth. Oh, do you see this? Cleanseth. This is an ongoing, present tense, continuous. Oh, thank God. Elsewise, how could God fellowship with us? He'd always be something in between us and him. God's not trying to find a reason to be distant with us. He's moved heaven and earth to get close to us. But we must walk in the light. Now, if you look up the word sin in the Hebrew, in the Greek, there are a number of different definitions. Vines, for instance, says miss the mark, missing the mark, miss the mark, and that's probably the most common one you hear. Actually, there's another one I like better. If you read the whole thing in vines, you'll see that he says that was what it meant historically, but it implies that it was changed a little bit with the common use. The word that you keep seeing, if you in dictionary after dictionary and literal rendering after literal rendering, is this word violate. Violate and violation. And as you look and read the passages, you see that that sums up so much of what a sin is. And one reason I say it is because people have used the phrase, miss the mark, and then they'll get into this other thing about, well, you know, we fall short in so many ways, and so we're sinning all the time. No, 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 no. Sin is violation of light. Are you with me now? It's violation of light. Again, how can you walk in light you don't have? 
How is it fair to hold you responsible for something you don't know and you don't see? Do we have a just God? Is he a fair God? He's a good God. Now, this is not just my opinion. Now, we could stay here all night. I'm thinking of scripture after scripture, and we must go to some of them. And last Friday, it just took me some time to get some of it. And if it does tonight, is that a problem? I don't know how to do it a different way. If I was more developed, maybe I could get to it quicker and more concise. And I'm believing I'm getting there, but you're where you are. And if you were more developed, you could hear quicker. (laughs) We could wrap this thing up maybe in 10 minutes and have coffee, right? But I am where I am and you are where you are. And God meets us where we are. So let's believe together. (laughs) Okay. Sin, we're answering the question, what is sin? Sin is that which displeases God. Sin is violation of light. Now you'll keep seeing that in different ways. And can you see this here? If we walk in the light as he is in the light, not just what somebody calls light, but what he says is light. Because there's all kind of false religions that talk about light. And they are in darkness. (laughs) They talk about the celestial light and the universal mind and the great cosmic this and that. But they're lost as can be. And ignorant and darkened. Because there is only one light that has enlightened all the world. The light. The Christ. Jesus. Now I know some people say, well, no. There's many religions in the world, and God has revealed Himself through many different. No, no, and no. There's only one way to God the Father. People say, We all are just narrow, yeah, and saved. Because Jesus said, Broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many that go therein. And the way to salvation in God is straight and narrow. There's only one way. There's only one way. There are not many messiahs, there's one. Did you hear me? There are not many saviors and many redeemers through whom God has revealed himself. There's one. Even in language, you know, sometimes people have gotten off. Preachers have gotten off. Talking about I am the Elijah who was to come. I am the apostle whom God has sent into the earth. I am the prophet. No, if you are an apostle, you are an apostle. A-N. If you're that. Right? If you're a prophet, you're not the prophet, you are a prophet. If you're that. Right? There's only one, the apostle. There's only one, the prophet, who should come. Right? There's only one, the good shepherd. Only one. Only one. Never be another like unto him and on his level. The master, our Lord, our Savior. Right? Apart from him, there is no light. Without him, there is no salvation. None. None. Only his blood cleanses from sin. But get this now. If, now see, we're going to 1 John 1 9. Did you remember that? Well, how many of what comes before 1 John 1 9? Well, verse 7 and 8, right? If 
We walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship one with another, us and God. And the blood of Jesus, the anointed one, his son, cleanses, not has cleansed, cleanses us from all sin. The more we see this, the more we'll shout about this phrase right here. I'm telling this is something that happens 24 hours a day, seven days a week, walking with God, doing everything we know to please Him. Everything else that we don't know is cleansed and washed by the blood. So that he sees, how else could he see us as the righteousness of God in Christ? How else could he see us as pure and clean? He'd have to be seeing all of our ignorance and all of our failures through ignorance and all the things we're doing that we didn't know we're supposed to have done. And, you know, he couldn't see us as the righteousness of God in Christ any other way except by this continuous cleansing. Of the blood of the Lamb, whereby if we're walking in the light that we have, God looks at us and He sees holiness. I'm not talking about later on, I'm talking about you and me, right now, right here. If we're walking in all the light we have, He looks at us and sees righteousness, holiness, purity. Why? Because He sees us in the blood of Jesus, the spotless one. Oh, this is shouting ground. Okay, now what if you don't walk in the light that you have? Which every one of us have done. What is that? That's sin. We're talking about what is sin? Sin is violation of the light you have. You see it. You know it. But you don't do it. Right? How many remember James? In fact, just hold your place. Back up to James, the uh, fourth chapter, just a few pages to James 4 and verse 17. Therefore, to him that knows to do good and does it not, this is James 4, 17, to him that knows to do good and does it not, he said, it's what? He said, to him, now did you hear that? Oh, the Lord's helping us tonight. What did he say? To him. That's not universal. Oh, friends, do you see that? Actually, I hadn't seen that like that just that strong till right then. I knew it, but I hadn't seen that phrase. To him, it is sin. Why is it sin to him and not necessarily sin to somebody else? Because he knew... To do it. Right? So because he knew to do it and did it not to him. It is sin. Thank you, Lord. For light. Thank you, Lord. To him. It is sin. To him. So can you see again now, sin is what? It's violation of light. Oh, thank you, Lord. Do you understand we're already making great strides right now in being separate from sin? Because you have to know what it is. We've already made good progress right here. 
To him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. Again, violation of light. Go back to 1 John 1, please. 1 John 1. Oh, thank you, Lord. If we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses, present tense, continuous, us from what? I mean, there's nothing remaining That's why it is a lie to say you can't make it through a day without sinning. Because see what these folk are saying is, well, uh, there's some stuff that you don't see. And some stuff that you didn't even know. Well, no. If I'm walking in the light that I have, then the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses me from all, all, all sin. All. Glory. Verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, now this is one of the verses that people misuse to try to build these doctrines. You can't just pull that out of this passage. You've got to go back to verse 6 to understand what he's talking about. If we say we have fellowship with him and we're walking in darkness. He just got through saying that, well, like we'd say around here two minutes ago. What's he saying? If you are walking in sin and you say you're fellowshipping with God, verse 8, and you say, I don't have any sin. You're walking in sin. You're not fellowshipping with God. You're not walking in the light. But you say, I don't have any sin. He said, you deceive yourself. Right? And this is the nature of sin. Hebrews warns us about the deceitfulness of sin. We're going to talk about that later. But sin is deceptive and deceitful. And the truth is not in us. Now we get to verse 9. How many know you you should take time on these other before you jump to verse 9? Okay, back up. If, (laughs) If we walk in the light as he's in the light. If we walk in the light. Then we have fellowship with God, unhindered, unfettered, nothing between us and the Lord. And anything we don't know, we don't have light on, the blood of His Son is cleansing us every millisecond of all sin. What if we don't walk in the light? That's where verse 9 is, right? If we violate light, then what can we do about it? Are we just stuck? Oh, thank God. If we violate light, what's the first step? This is the biggie now here. Why I started here to begin with. We must confess what? Our problem? Our weakness? No. Our what? We must call sin, sin in our life. You don't come and flop around and go, well, Lord, I might have missed it on this. I don't know. They said I did. I don't know if I did. Mm -mm. You're not calling sin, sin. You're just wallowing around. Do you know you can come and cry all night about something and not even come close to repenting? There are people upset sometimes. Oh, terribly upset. Mad, afraid, scared, shaken just because they got caught. Ain't got nothing to do with repenting. Just scared of what's going to happen now. No. Repentance is changing. Repentance is turning. And we see already what's repentance saying. Repentance is saying, I had light. 
I didn't walk in it. And I'm confessing that. Oh, thank you, Lord. The integral part of successful repentance is honesty. Bare-hearted, sincere honesty. You cannot play games and walk clean. Right? In uh, the ministry, Phyllis and I have been in the ministry now for a number of years. And I don't think I'd be exaggerating if I said that one of, if not the, most frustrating thing to me in ministry is people lying and being dishonest. Because you can't help people. And it's sad because you want to help people. You know what to do. You know if they do this, this would straighten out. You know it may look terrible, but I've seen worse cases come out. But if people play games with you, and they try to act like they don't know when they do. Are you with me now? They pretend. And oh, there are so many Christians that are so good. They've developed it over years of pretending. And they know how to turn the tears on. Did you hear me? And they know how to fall apart because they've used it ever since they were a child. You know, you got caught. So you just go, I didn't know, I didn't know. I just, it just was on me before I knew it. Liar. Liar. And you can't, re- if you're doing that, you're not repenting. And if you're not repenting, you won't be forgiven. And if you won't forgiven, you can't get rid of the condemnation. You can't get rid of the guilt. Death is on you. Did you hear me? There's only one way. Only one way. You got to come and step up. That's why we got to teach our little ones. You hear the cookie jar rattle. You look in there and the little one's standing there, barely can talk. He's got chocolate on his nose. Cookie crumbs on the floor. Cookie jar lid is sideways. You been in the cookie jar? Mmm. And that's what most people do is laugh. It ain't funny. You may be tempted to laugh, but it ain't funny. If they know enough to lie, it's time to get to work. They're trying to deceive you. If they try to deceive you, they try to deceive God. It ain't funny. Now some scenes may look so funny that you have to go around the corner and laugh and get it out of your system. But then you come back and you hold their little feet to the fire until the truth comes out. You do not let it go. You do not let it slide. And you let them know. I don't mean yell and scream and you don't beat them and you don't backhand them. No. But you let them know there is nothing more serious in life than lying and truth. It's the difference between life and death. There has never been, there never will be an acceptable, excusable lie. It's one of the worst things that you can do in life. Is try to deceive. And so people are highly developed in this deception. I wish I could tell you something different. But we've seen it nearly every week since we've been here. 
People try to snow you. Tell you a sad story. Need this, we need that. So and so did me wrong. They don't tell you what they did to them. <laughs> yeah, how many know what I'm talking about? Yes, well, they're lying. They're deceivers. So they're not repenting. So there's nothing to work with. God himself can't help them. How can we? Are you with me now? Give me any day. A rough old boy or girl may be as mean as a snake, but they'll look you in the eye and say, yeah, I did it. Huh? Yeah, I did it. You did that, sorry, Lord. Yep, it was me. You got something to work with. Right? We can go somewhere from here. But somebody that will try to quote you four scriptures and tell you how this one wouldn't stand with them and this one wouldn't pray and this one when mama didn't help them and daddy didn't help them and the church wouldn't stand behind them. And you can't help them. Because they're refusing to repent. Oh, they might cry through a whole box of Kleenexes. But they refuse to repent. They're not repenting. And it's not between me and them or you and them. It's between them and God. And how many know you can't snow God? You can't snow. He knows what you know. And he knows what you don't. He knows. And until you come clean with him, there is no repentance. So there is no forgiveness and there is no cleansing and there is no life and there's no peace. And know what the scripture said? There is no peace to the wicked. Impossible. You can drink the bottles dry. You can shoot the drugs. You can do everything you know to do. And you'll be miserable. Oh, but when you come to God. Strip off all the junk. No facades. No pretend. And you put your nose in the carpet. And you bare your heart and you say, God. You told me. You showed me. But no. I had to do it my way. Have mercy on me. I knew better. I saw it. You showed me. And I did it. I went against what you showed me. I didn't do what I knew what to do. You showed me. But I didn't do it. Have mercy on me. What are you doing now? You're confessing. You're admitting. You're acknowledging. And you're calling sin, sin. You say, I lied. Right? Oh, friend, you've really done some things right when your son or daughter will come to you and look you in the eye and say, Mama, I'm sorry, I lied to you. Amen. Amen. Oh, people might think that's a bad day. That's a day to shout. Yes. Right? Because they're acting like a man, like a woman of God. Right? God can work with that. There's nothing too bad He can't get you out of. Oh, but when you pretend... And you lie, you're talking the language of the devil. Isn't that what the Bible said? He is a liar and he's the father of it. So you're in a completely different vein. You're siding in with God's enemy. Say it out loud again. Sin Sin is violation violation of light. light. So if we're going to walk in the light that we have, we will be without sin. All the while we are doing that. Well, what if you violate light because you have and I have? What if you do? 
How can you get past it? We confess that we had light. We knew. Well, friend, I know I'm going over this. I'm belaboring it. But are you with me now? We must confess what? We had light. Right? We must confess. We knew. We saw it. Go with me, please, to the book of John, the ninth chapter. You got time for some more? I'm excited because God is answering our prayers. He's bringing us up to a higher level of revelation. Mm-mm-mm-mm. How many understand how precious revelation is? How precious the word. Because the problem is, is living in darkness. And not knowing. That's the bad thing. Man, if I'm wrong, I want to know it. Right? Show me. Let me see it. I can get it straight. And now I know why things ain't working. We can get it fixed. Light is so precious. And I'm, again, getting ahead of myself a little bit. But one of the keys to more light, a big key, is that you walk in the light you have. You can't expect to get more revelation if you ignore the light you have. When you ignore light, you ignore what you know, it just gets darker. You get more confused. Actually, the word sin, several of the words, definitions of the word sin, was some form of the word violate. And the word violate, among other things, it means to break. It means to disregard. It means to fail to show the proper respect for. All that's involved in not walking in the light. God shows you something and you fail to respect it. Right? He shows you something, but you disregard it. You know, anytime we have a problem, we have a big accident. If you tear the car up, you're trying to do something and you mess up and you break it and things go wrong and you get sick and it takes you a long time to get over it and this and that. We ought to be looking. Something's not right. Did you hear me? Because this is not God's perfect will. Where did we violate some light to let this in? Because this is not God's perfect will. In John 9, this is a big subject, isn't it? Why are we talking about sin? Because we're supposed to be separate. Right? Like our master. Separate from sin. Is it possible for us to live separate from sin? By the blood of the Lamb and obedience. Us walking in the light that we have, we can. In John 9, there is a true story in the ministry of Jesus that many people have been confused about. But it deals with exactly what we're talking about tonight. The Bible said in John 9 verse 1, Jesus passed by and he saw a man who was blind from his birth. Now, this, he literally physically was blind. But if you know the chapter, before he gets through, he talks about natural blindness and he talks about spiritual blindness. Which is why this particular story was singled out and recorded for all time. So keep that in mind while we read. He's talking about both kinds of blindness. Natural and spiritual. His disciples asked him. They said master who did what? Who sinned? This man or his parents. That he was born blind. 
Now, to a lot of people today, that sounds like a strange question. They think, that ain't right. Poor man, he's born that way. Why do you want to talk about somebody sinning? Because they knew the word. Did you hear me? And it was a legitimate question. And they were on the right track, but they had impartial knowledge. They knew. You read the law. You read Genesis and Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. You read the prophets and the kings and the chronicles. You see cause and effect. Cause and effect. Disobey and curse. Obey and blessing. Right? That was drilled in them from the time they were old enough to understand anything. And they knew. Now a lot of people don't know this today. They knew this man being born blind was a curse. They weren't confused thinking, well, no, we just shouldn't question what God does because God in his sovereignty and wisdom saw fit to have this man born special like this and it's for a reason. No, they didn't believe that because you don't find that in the word they were looking at. Did you hear me? No. Birth defects. Are not the will of God. Ever. Ever. Somebody said well they're special. They are special. But the birth defect doesn't make them special. Did you hear me? And they were right. In assuming a connection. Between sin and curse. But they were wrong. In trying to assume that it had to be the man or his parents. Did you hear me? I think so many times we don't realize that our lives were affected generations ago. By our parents and grandparents and great grandparents and great 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 all the way back. Different ones in the family. The Bible talks about the people that obeyed him and stood with him and walked with him. He talked about their seed for generations to come and the blessings because of this man's obedience in his lifetime. Well, the same thing is true. They talked about individuals. There were curses sometimes spoken and said they'll never lack in this man's family somebody that's lame, somebody that has leprosy, somebody that's blind. You read things. Why? Because they did such terrible things. Somebody said, well, that's not fair. Watch what you say. You're not God. None of the curse is the will of God. None of it pleases him. But how many understand if there'd never been any sin, there would never have been any deformity, any disease, none of it. It's all because of sin. So when you say sickness is the will of God, you just said sin is the will of God. Because they're inseparable. They're connected. One came from the other. But where people begin to pick up on some of this. But then they begin to preach. And say well you know. Well so and so has got something wrong with them. Well where would you sin? You had to sin. Well now look at Jesus answer though. What did he say? Neither has this man sinned. Or his parents. Now they're stumped. What would their next question be? Well then, how'd this happen? He goes on to say that the works of God should be made manifest in him. 
I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night comes when no man can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light, light of the world. People say, well, see there, it was the works of God. No, he said the works of God hadn't been manifest yet. He's going to work the works of God in the man. So this man's situation is an opportunity. For God to be glorified just like sin is an opportunity for God to be glorified. But you don't say the sin pleases God. But here's the question. (laughs) We're waiting on in tonight, aren't we? Here's the question then. What do you mean they didn't sin? We're saying cause and effect. Sin and curse. Obedience and blessing. Well then how can he say they didn't sin? You know he's right. Jesus made clay. Put it in a man's eyes. Remember that? Said go wash. He went and washed and came again seeing. He didn't tell the man you were born blind to glorify God. He ministered healing to the man. Right? And he was healed. Came back seeing. Glory to God. And it turned the town on its ear. And the religious leaders got bent out of shape, didn't he? And they said, what's he doing healing on the Sabbath day? Like they had a healing day. Like he could have come to them anytime and got healed. But people, if they're not up on something, they're going to be down on it and find fault with it. But it goes on to say, skip down to the end of the chapter. We don't have time to go through all this, but at the end of the chapter... Jesus found the man after he was excommunicated from that particular church. They told him he was not welcome there anymore. Because, <laughs> uh, well, you know, he didn't agree with their doctrine. Because he went on to say, well, he said, that's mighty amazing that you're supposed to know so much. And, and this man, you know, did something that ain't nobody ever heard of doing. And you don't even know where he's from. And he said, I don't know. You know, you want to talk about... Is he a sinner? Is he this? I don't know. He said, I was blind and now I can see. And they keep pushing him about it. He said, well, uh, you want me to tell you again all about it so you can go be his disciple? Oh, they got mad. Whew. I mean, they said, you're done. You're out of here. They pulled his papers. They sent him packing. And Jesus found him. How many know Jesus will find you when everybody kick you out? Now you got to remember this now. This man has never seen Jesus. Last time he heard him, he was putting mud in his eyes. He's never seen him. Until now, he looks up and there's this man. I'm sure he knew there was something about him. But Jesus heard, verse 35, that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord? That I might believe on him. In other words, yeah, I'd like to. Who is he? And Jesus said to him, you have both what? See, this whole chapter is about seeing and not seeing, not just physically. You've seen him. He's looking at him right now. You've seen him and it is he that's talking with you. What does that mean? It's me. me. (laughs) Right here, right now. And he said what? Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Now get this, get this. Why didn't he do this when Jesus walked up 
and put mud in his eyes. He did, exactly. He didn't have light. He didn't know who he was. All the light he got was get up and go to the pool and wash this mud out your eyes. What if he hadn't have done that? What if he'd have said, that's ridiculous. I don't know why I let this man put spit and dirt in my eye to start with. How unsanitary can you get? And I got a perfectly good bathtub at the house. What I want to go out there to the public pool and thrash around for. If he'd have talked himself out of it, he had light what to do. Would it have been a sin? What a sin. Not received his sight. Not received his healing. But he's in the book because he walked in the light that he had. Some way or another, he got out there to the pool, and he washed his eyes, and he came again seeing. And can you see that the man stood in the light that he had, even though the church hierarchy was bearing down on him like a ton of bricks? Oh, it would have been, it'd have been a lot easier to fold, wouldn't it? Your family goes to church here. You were born around here. These are all your friends go here. You know they're going to kick you out if you keep doing this. Agree that the man has to be a sinner. He wouldn't do it. (laughs) He just kept coming back to this. He said, I don't know, but I know this. What's he doing? He's standing in the... Oh, can you see this, friend? When you do that, what happens? You're going to get more light. He, he, He didn't have much light. He said, I don't know about all that. But I know this. I was blind. The man spit in my eyes. I said, go wash. And I watch and I can see. I'm standing here before you. It's the Lord's truth. They said, oh, no. Now go on and be honest now. Until he said, I told you already. He spit in my eye and I washed it off. Well, he can't be of God. He said, well, who ever heard of a man do stuff like this? It's a sinner. Well, they didn't like that. You understand? They didn't. But how many understand if he had done anything else, it would have been a violation of the light that he had. He heard the words. He acted on them. He was there when it happened. He knew the results. Oh, friend, can you see this? Oh, how many people have backed off of light they had? I know of people, God baptized in the Holy Ghost, filled them with the Spirit. They talked a blue streak in tongues and sang in tongues and felt the power and shouted. Went back into the church where it was unpopular. Somebody called and said a thing or two about it. And they just backed off and said, well, well, yeah, well. And what happened? You stay right there. You don't get any more light. You've backed off into darkness. God, show people. You don't have to be broke. You can prosper. Sow your seed. Believe. Have a vision. Claim big things. They get stirred up about it. Something good happened. And somebody said, ah, they just after money. and this. You don't want to be associated with that crowd. Had somebody tell me today about some folk. You don't want to be associated with them? You know what I told them back? and said, they've been good friends of mine for years. Hallelujah. And I love them and we're standing with them. Amen. And people talk about where well, they may pull their support. Good. Okay. I don't want theirs. Amen. I'm serious. Hallelujah. Sometimes when you stand with people, it's going to cost you. Yes. And when you stand with the Lord, it's going to cost you. Yes. But it won't cost you anything you can't afford to lose. And compromising on the light that you have will cost you everything that you can't afford to lose. The light, because when you quit walking in the light, what happens? 
Dark, you're in sin, you're in darkness, and it just gets worse and darker. He stood up. He didn't have much light, but he stood for it. And then the next thing you know, Jesus finds him. Goes to him and finds him and gives him the big light. <laughs> Doesn't he? I'm t- when you walk, you may not have much. You may just have a little bit of light coming through the keyhole. You just know John 3.16. You know God loves me. Well, we're not sure. Yeah, yeah, he does. <laughs> well, it's a very complicated. No, it ain't complicated. He loves me. I love him. Yeah, well, he don't love everybody. He loves everybody. And he's not willing that any should perish. Well, he may ordain some of this. No, he's not willing. So you got to stand in the light, did you? Don't let anybody talk you out of it. And when you do, the Lord's going to find you with a great big load of light to come into the next level. He said, do you know the Son of God? Do you believe on him? He thought, he like, who is the Son of God? He said, your eyes are on him right now, and he's talking to you. And he's, get this, he what? He saw it. He saw it. He didn't just see with his, how many understand there's something more? He's looking on him with his eyes, but when he heard those words, he knew in his heart it was true. Didn't he? He knew in his heart that he was looking on the Son of God. And he hid his face and he began to worship. Didn't he? Now, other people saw this. This was not done in a corner. This apparently was done in a public place. Other people around and the religious leaders, some of the very ones that excommunicated him, saw it and or heard about it. Read the next verse. This is what we're getting to. He said, Lord, verse 38, I believe and he worshiped him. And Jesus said, for judgment, I'm coming to this world that they which what? See not. Might see. Here's a man, a living testimony standing right there, right? He was blind physically. Now he can see. He was blind spiritually. Now he can see. Right? I've come for judgment. That they which see not might see. And that they which see might what? Be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him. See, I told you they were there. They saw it. They heard this. And this was too much for him to stand there and be quiet. Because they figure, what's he talking about? People that see made blind. He's probably talking about us. Well, yeah. (laughs) And so they felt like they had to say something. And so they spoke up and they said, are we blind also? Now get this. Oh, get this. What did Jesus say? If you were blind... What? I want you to say that sentence out loud three times. If you were blind, you should have no sin. Or many translations say would. You would have no sin. Say it again. If you were blind, you would have no sin. Say it again. If you were blind, you would have no sin. What else does he say? But now you say we see. Therefore, your sin remains. Why? Because they did see some things. They knew better than what they were doing. These guys, a lot of them, they spent their whole life in the Word. They knew. 
There's no way that they can convincingly stand up and say, well, no, we just didn't know it was you. No, they saw things. They saw prophecies fulfilled. They saw him ride in on that donkey. They knew it was prophesied. They saw how he ministered. They heard the words. They knew. But they didn't want it that way. Because it means we're going to have to admit we're wrong. We might lose our place and our organization might come apart. Some organizations need to come apart. They're more of a hindrance than a help. And what did he say? He said, you say we see. And the implication is they did see some things. He said, so your sin remains. So what's the answer? How can it be? We know cause and effect, sin and curse. And they were on the right track when they said, well, Lord, who sinned? Him or his parents? He said, neither one. Why? They didn't violate light that caused this thing to happen. They didn't see. Didn't mean they didn't make some mistakes. Didn't mean they did. How many understand you could break some laws? Didn't mean you violated light. You come ripping through a new part of highway or a new part of town and exceeded the speed limit and got pulled over. If you didn't know that the speed limit changed, maybe it changed that week. Were you violating your conscience? No. no, but you broke the law yes. and could have some consequences. Yes. Right? Well, same thing here. People break laws and suffer consequences. It doesn't mean they're in sin. Because if you were blind, you would have no sin. Amen. Are you with me? Yes. Say it out loud again. Sin, sin. is violation, is violation. Of, light. of light. Stand on your feet, would you please? This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.